0: Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books you're reading. I'm Rob Olson, and I'm Livius Snedden.
1: I got to tell you, this feels a little foreign right now. You're talking about re- reviewing a book? Yeah, reviewing a book seems like a weird thing to do all of a sudden. I don't it's know been, why, why that should be. It's been a little bit, right? It's been a yeah, it's been a little bit. I also feel like I've been reading this book for a month. Well, so you I'm did sure have to I've been yeah. this book for a month. <laughs> so. You did you did have to kind of hit the brakes for me a little bit, so I yeah. apologize. Oh no, it's okay. It was a little tough to get into, and I'm gonna try to keep that from from tainting my review of this book because this week, uh, and we're we're a little we're a little late on this. Like usually, we're right on like release week or the week after if we're not lucky enough to get a, a review copy for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mostly because they apparently all go to Minneapolis for some fucking reason. Did you see that today? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah, so for, for anybody who didn't see it, if you saw it, you probably know what we're talking about, but uh, uh, Jesse, close friend of the show, who, I, I've got to be honest with you, he doesn't he doesn't review books, right?
0: He has not reviewed books f- for pretty much as long as we've
1: known him. Yeah, um, he has an advanced reader copy of Joe Hill's new book, The Fireman, but we don't. But I, I shouldn't, I'm not faulting Jesse for that, because somehow we wind up with those books. Eventually, <laughs> still before we would get a copy. I just don't understand how they go to him first. He, I don't know, man. He's got some old clout. Apparently, he does. So, um, this book actually came out six months ago, which for us is, is ancient history for, for the most part. This has got to be one of the oldest books we've done. Yeah. Uh, one of the five, I'd say, oldest books we've done um, in the, the three, or I'm sorry, the five years, 300 plus episodes um that, that we've recorded. So Welcome to Night Vale. Um which is not if you're hearing that you might think you're listening to the wrong podcast, but the <laughs> novel. Welcome to Night Vale is uh, is what we're gonna be talking about uh this week. It is co written by Joseph fink and Jeffrey Craner. Craner? Craner? Um yes. Okay. And here are their bios. Uh, These are actually not their bios from Amazon because, according to Rob, their bios from Amazon were like weird long interviews. So I don't know. Where where did this come from? Is this from the book itself?
0: Well, this isn't the bio that's on the Welcome to Night Vale page of Amazon. Mm -hmm. This is their Amazon author bios separately that I just copied and pasted. Beautiful. Yeah, but
1: I think this is also the bios that you see in the book. Joseph Fink created and co-writes the Welcome to Night Vale podcast. He is from California but doesn't live there anymore. Jeffrey Craner co-writes the Welcome to Night Vale podcast. He also co-creates theater and dance pieces with choreographer/slash wife Jillian Sweeney. They live in New York. Do you think Joseph Fink lives in New York? I mean, my
0: good money's on. Yes. Okay. I have nothing to base that on, but yeah, I think this is kind of like. And I'm going to draw. The first of many parallels between Welcome to Night Vale <laughs> podcast and the Booked podcast. Um, when we started, I was living in Vermont, and you were living in the Chicago area. Correct. And I no longer live in Vermont, um, but you still live in the Chicago area. So I'm thinking one of many parallels here.
1: The only parallel I think we don't have with Night Vale podcast is they're successful. Yeah. I was gonna say, Rob is gonna <laughs> Rob is gonna draw the parallels, and I'm going to, to point out all the things that are not the same. Like so, uh, we'll, yeah, we may talk about that I think after the book a little bit. I don't know we'll <laughs> we'll see. I, I don't want I, what I say earlier, I don't want to taint my review of the book. so let's not talk about their level of success just yet.
0: <laughs> all right. Um, we should probably give you a synopsis for the book though. Located in a nameless desert somewhere in the great American Southwest, Nightvale is a small town where ghosts, angels, aliens, and government conspiracies are all commonplace parts of everyday life. It is here that the lives of two women with two mysteries will converge. 19 year old Nightvale pawn shop owner Jackie Fierro, with two R's, not like the car, right? Is given a paper marked King City by a mysterious man in a tan jacket holding a deerskin suitcase. Everything about him and his paper unsettles her, especially the fact that she can't seem to get the paper to leave her hand, and that no one who meets this man can remember anything about him. Jackie is determined to uncover the mystery of King City and the man in the tan jacket before she herself unravels. Nightvale PTA treasurer Diane Creighton's son Josh is moody and also a shapeshifter. And lately, Diane started to see her son's father everywhere she goes, looking the same as the day he left her years earlier, when they were both teenagers. Josh, looking different every time Diane sees him, shows a stronger and stronger interest in his estranged father, leading to a disaster Diane can see coming, even as she is helpless to prevent it. Diane's search to reconnect with her son and Jackie's search for her former routine life collide as they find themselves coming back to two words, King City. It is King City that holds the key to both of their mysteries and their futures, if they can ever
1: find it. Let's talk about the synopsis a little bit. Um, I'm going, to, <laughs> well, here's what I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with some assumptions here. First of all, I imagine that some of our listeners have heard Welcome to Night Vale, because um, there are people who listen to podcasts, and I imagine if yeah. you look up podcasts and stories or podcasts and books, this has got to come up in that search, and they're wildly popular. Right. This synopsis, for somebody who has not listened to Welcome to Nightvale, sounds like there's a little weird stuff going on. And I don't think it quite adequately addresses just how strange the Night Vale world is.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, there's a lot of weird this is all right. So it's obvious that the synopsis was not written in the style of the book, I guess this is like one way to say it mm-hmm, Yeah, because the synopsis is kind of linear and makes sense and doesn't have any kind of outrageous things that are, you know, defying any laws of physics or time or space or anything like that, which is very common in the book.
1: Yeah. I mean, it mentions that the one kid's a shapeshifter and that mentions that, uh, that, that, the, the, the kid's father is, um, looks the same as he did, you know, whatever, 14 years ago. Uh, Those things are a little weird, but Night Vale takes place in a, oh, I don't even know how to say it, like in a town where it's basically inaccessible for the most part from the outside. And the, the beautiful thing about Night Vale, I think, is how all of its residents have kind of just accepted that things like time don't work right there. And, um... You know that that they're constantly being monitored by government agencies, but really it's just the government of Nightvale. It's not like the United States; like like it, it belongs in the United States. It's almost like it's its own separate entity, right? Um, you know, and and you have a variety of, of strange things that that occur. I'm sure a lot of them will come up in the quotes. Because I think some of the best parts of this book are based in just how weird but accepted those things are to um, the person that lives in Nightvale. Sure. I was thinking about this as I was reading the book, too, because typically
0: what Livius and I do with a book is explain the general setup of the plot, but don't spoil, you know, anything that we don't want to spoil. And I figured that it was going to be difficult with this, because essentially it's just a bunch of, like, strung-together nonsense with kind of a general um, kind of narrative that was is is keeping it together. Anybody who's, who's listened to the Welcome to Night Vale podcast... There is kind of a general connectivity, I would say, between episodes, but it's not an ongoing story. And in the book there is the story of Jackie and the story of Diane and her son Josh, and how Troy they mentioned Troy's name in the in the synopsis, right?
1: Um no, I think it just says that's his fa uh, it just says Diane starts to see her son's father everywhere.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> spoiler, the son the father's name is Troy. It's not an actual spoiler. I'm just fucking around. Um, there's those kind of stories that, that are kind of woven throughout, um, and it does carry the story forward. So there's more significant of a plot to the book than there was or is for the, the Welcome to Night Vale podcast.
1: Yeah. And while we're, I guess, still talking about the podcast, we should mention it's done in the format of the weekly like community news Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's always the anchor Cecil and then, you know, you know there are guests sometimes and musical numbers and, and all kinds of weird things. And, yeah, I mean, I think to a certain extent there are some things that are connected and in, in stories that progress a little bit just in their re-mentions. But, yeah, the book itself is, is written linearly. It's written like your very basic story. We start with them one day. We end with them, I don't know, what is it, maybe three weeks in the future, if that, maybe a little more. So the book takes place over the course of, let's say, a month, maybe a little less, and it starts off with um, Jackie. So as I mentioned in the synopsis, um, she does own a pawn shop, and at 19, that is pretty impressive for a 19-year-old to be a business owner, but Jackie has been 19 for a really, really long time at the at, at the onset of this book.
0: Yeah, and we definitely pick up on her general daily routine, which is... Um... True to Night Vale form, you don't just walk in and pawn something and it's a normal transaction. There's definitely rituals involved, and uh, no matter what you pawn, the same amount of money is offered to you and everything like that. So, we are introduced to Jackie's day to day routine, and everything seems to be going normal until the guy uh, in the tan suit, right, with the deerskin uh, briefcase comes in. Deers, mm-hmm. Deerskin suitcase. I always imagine it as a briefcase. Suitcase sounds like a big piece of luggage. I'm with you. For some reason, I thought briefcase, too. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up eventually. But um, anyway, the idea is he comes in and the general pawn transaction changes a little bit. He gives her a piece of paper with the words King City written on it. And um, she doesn't give him the usual uh, amount of money. and, And things just go a little bit different. And from then on... Life's not the same for Jackie because no matter what she tries to do, she can't get the King City paper to leave her left hand, which is strange. And you would think, oh, it's Night Vale, everything's strange, but for some reason this bothers her. And then that kind of sends her off in a different direction where she needs to figure out what all this King City business is about.
1: Yep. And then we switch over to Diane, who is working her. You know, I, I think a lot of us um, you know, sometimes think our, our jobs are, are pointless or, or meaningless, but Jackie actually works in a place that nobody really knows what they're doing or, or what, what the purpose of their of their employment is. Um, Diane's story kicks off with her um looking for a coworker who hasn't been to work in a little bit, but it seems that she's the only person that can remember this coworker like like ever working there. Like, there is no trace of him at all, but she is sure that even Evan, I guess it would be Evan, right, Um, used to work there because she used to talk to him occasionally, but no one else seems to remember him. So she kind of starts out on this search for Evan.
0: Yeah, so the common thread here is that there's a, a weird person enters the equation and it throws our two main kind of protagonists off of their normal daily routines. With Diane, it's it's trying to figure out this Evan situation and not feel like she's going crazy because none of her co-workers remember this person and uh, the situation that led up to her wondering where he went. Um, and with Jackie, it's trying to figure out what King City is. Um, and so they kind of take these kind of parallel paths, investigating the Evan character and investigating... The, uh, the man in the tan jacket slash figuring out the whole King City thing. And as it turns out, there's a lot of that that kind of overlaps. And they don't really like each other, um, but they end up kind of needing each other. And you'll have to tell me if that's too spoilerly, I, I don't
1: I don't think so at all. I mean, I actually think that's actually part of the, the synopsis itself. The synopsis does a very good job of covering the things we would normally cover. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it really is is pretty concise in, in where we're going with this. Um, Diane's other storyline, so to speak, is that she is contending with having a teenage son who is going through normal teenage son things, or at least the way they seem to be normal in you know in books and movies and TV shows. Um, but one thing that further complicates that is his ability to um, to shape shift. Now, you know, when you say shapeshift, people think, oh, he becomes a werewolf or, you know, he can look like other people. Uh, Maybe we don't know because he does things like, you know, he becomes kind of like half. I don't know. I'm just making this up now, but half dragonfly, half gorilla. Like he does really, really weird things. Um, But Diane is used to it because he's always been this way and she accepts him and loves him and can pretty much recognize him in his different forms. So on top of, you know, kind of your normal teen angst that uh, Josh is going through, he he has this other problem that tends to complicate things a little bit. So we've talked about
0: really kind of the big trio, which is Jackie and Diane and Diane's son, Josh. Um, The other big characters in the book uh, are Josh's father, Troy, who Diane and Troy had a baby. And then soon after the baby was born, Troy just left. So that's so Diane was left to raise her son alone and just kind of assumed Troy was out of the picture um but as all this weirdness starts to happen Troy starts showing up around town and so um every time Troy shows up it's a matter of trying to figure out what's going on with Troy and trying to get to him or confront him or talk to him and things Either he kind of escapes or situations conspire to keep people away from him. So he's this kind of just out-of-reach entity for a good portion of the book, Um, which is kind of neat. And there's some unique things about Troy. The, uh, The way that everybody's kind of got a weird part of their life. The thing with Troy is that there's a whole bunch of him. So it's not like there's one Troy. There's a Troy who works in the diner and there's another one who works at a bank you know and so there's troys everywhere but they're all the same person and that's kind of weird thing about him um anything to add about
1: troy um no i mean in you know a little bit that you know josh kind of finds out who his father is and he's seeking him out as well so again Mm -hmm. more more teen angst bounds and night Vale.
0: yeah and uh daddy issues are always a good thing for for compelling a story along but um other kind of the final big character outside of the the town of Nightvale itself i guess would be uh Evan. I think the thing about that character is that nobody really knows who he is or what he is and r- nobody remembers anything about him. So he's kind of this kind of negative entity where he's a big character in the story but for almost the entire story you don't know anything about him. You just know that you should figure out something about him. So um kind of a neat balancing act with Troy, it's always Troy's just out of reach. With this Evan character, the whole idea is like nobody has a memory of him at all. So um interesting to kind of through an entire book take a character who doesn't have any definable characteristics, but keep them as an integral part of the story.
1: Oh yeah, as, as batshit crazy as it all sounds, I mean I they you know, they I think they covered all the bases pretty well. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, quite the juggling act I mean it, in a way it's nice because you have A setting like Night Vale where basically You can make anything you want happen So there is a There can be, I shouldn't say there is There can be a convenient out for pretty much <laughs> Any situation that you, you put up But um, it's a little bit of a juggling act With these guys And and, and story wise it is nowhere near I didn't feel And you may disagree I didn't feel it was anywhere near as confusing As we made it sound
0: Um, That's fair Um, Well, not that they didn't try, though, because they introduced stuff like uh, angels, but it's illegal to believe in angels. So um, these angels kind of exist, but they're all named. What is it again? Oh, God. Erica. Yes. They're all named Erica, and it's illegal to um, acknowledge or acknowledge angels exist or to believe in angels. So everybody pretends that they don't know them, even though they talk to them or see them and things like that. Um, so there's weirdness in every just goddamn direction. The library alone I could talk about for hours and hours and hours.
1: <laughs> yeah. You have things like the faceless old woman that lives in your house.
0: <laughs> the house itself thinking about things.
1: Yep. So, yeah. Night vale is a is a very, very strange place, as we may have mentioned. I get the feeling that's going to come up quite a bit in the quotes. I will say, and maybe this is a good time to talk about this, since I think we really can't talk any more plot. Um, I know you said you've listened to maybe eight episodes or so. Yeah, eight or nine, something like that. And that was all recently, right, in the last week or two? Yeah, within the last yeah week. I've listened to maybe a dozen, maybe more than that, but but over a period of, I don't know, a year and a half, maybe. some A lot of them over the last month. But it seems like this book hit on... I, I don't think I heard a character's name or a description that didn't match something in this book and the ones I've listened to over the course of the last few weeks. I, I think they really were able to... You know, fold into this story, even if it's just a brief appearance, everybody they talk about.
0: Yeah, like Carlos the Scientist and Josie and
1: all those peoples. Yep. Yep. And I mean, things like the 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 forbidden dog park and, you know, just, yeah. weird, you know, all kinds of weird things. All I, I think that they um, I don't know. It's tough to say because these are the guys who wrote wrote the podcast. So I don't know how much they had to go back and listen to. You, you know, to, to make sure <laughs> right. they hit on things like they they created it once. So I don't know how, you know, stuck it is in their memory. But I got to tell you, it's got to be a nice little this book has to be a nice little tribute to people who are, you know, long time listeners of the Welcome to Night Vale podcast.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that and I was wondering, is this going to be something that the the so like if I'm a listener of Night Vale from fucking day one, which is this is kind of an interesting thought. They do it, I think, twice a month. Since the summer of 2012, and there are almost to 90 episodes, which I don't know if that math exactly works out. I'm going to just assume it does. (laughs) Um, If I'm a listener from day one to now and I read the book, am I going to be satisfied or am I going to think, like, man, there's so much stuff that I already know that this is just kind of rehashing old stuff?
1: It's interesting. I mean, I think, though, like we said at the top, it's probably the first truly linear story. Yeah. And it could be like reading, I don't know, or or, or maybe like seeing the new Star Wars movie. Like you've spent a lot of time with the old Star Wars movies, granted over, you know, whatever, 40 years, 30 years (laughs) at this point. Yeah. But you're like, oh, oh, they mentioned that guy. I, I remember that guy. You know, he was in several podcasts doing this, this, or that. So it might be a nice little treat to somebody who, you know. Yeah. As a regular listener? I don't know. I mean it's it's pretty well reviewed if I remember correctly from their Amazon page. So it seems like their listeners kinda like it. And it debuted, by the way. It debuted at number four on the New York Times bestseller list. Alright, so this is where you're gonna
0: you're gonna this is where when I draw a parallel you're gonna have a counter argument, right? Yep. All right. Just, <laughs> just wanna make sure I knew why you mentioned that.
1: <laughs> well, I it was actually I, I um, earlier today tried to find an episode that was right around the time the book release came out to see if they were gonna say anything about it and you know they thanked everyone for buying it and how excited they were and then they mentioned that they debuted at number four It's pretty fucking impressive that's um that's yeah that's 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 pretty impressive
0: I was trying to think of a different way of saying that same thing but um you got it it's impressive
1: well and I'm saying that from the perspective of having a podcast yeah. Having published a book, <laughs> wait—we didn't debut at number four
0: on the New York Times bestsellers list. No. Uh, see, we got to talk to them and see what they did, so that when our next book comes out, n- number four, New York Times, or number three. I mean, well, yeah, why, yeah, why shoot,
1: why, why, why aim for the low branch, now, right, right? Right. Three or two? I'll take a two. Two's nothing wrong with two. No, nothing's wrong with being second place if it's the new york times bestseller list hey if
0: we come out at the same time as that joe hill book i'll take i'll take second place
1: yeah no kidding <laughs> did you want to talk about some other some other parallels between uh between us and the the, the fine gentleman <laughs> who run the welcome to night Vale podcast yeah
0: so um so it turns out as anybody who was listening to our previous episode episode number 300 will remember we launched our podcast in april of 2011 um there's That there was a text message I just received. It was not from the hosts of the Welcome to Night vale podcast, though, so I apologize for that. I kind of figured it wasn't, yeah. but no. I, was waiting, I was waiting with bated breath. <laughs> I know, I wanted to build the suspense a little bit. Night vale, ooh, let me pull up their episode list so we can see when their first episode launched. Unless you know off the top of your head. June 15th, 2012. So, we got them by a year, right? Yes. Um... And as you may know, do you remember the date that our book came out? I do, so I'm just I'm I'm. This is just me making you look
1: bad now. Yeah, I know. It was in June. (laughs) Was it? Wasn't it? Was it? Uh, You're about to tell us.
0: (laughs) Now you got me worried, so I'm going to Amazon. (laughs) July (laughs) twenty second, twenty thirteen. Yeah, that sounds right. Everybody loves to hear typing on a podcast. So that's why I did that. July 18th, 2013. So July 18th, 2013, we publish a book in print, ebook, that whole thing. And then some date down the road, Welcome to Nightville publishes a book. So podcast, then book, podcast, then book. I don't know, man. There's some strong. Uh, you know some strong parallels i'm seeing here two creators
1: two yeah two creators two creators same thing can i tell you what they're doing now they have branched off they have a second podcast that just uh, launched are you serious we
0: totally did that serious. we, did, we that. did that
1: we did that we did a second
0: podcast yes wait wait wait
1: have they hosted live events they uh yeah so let's talk about that parallel they have hosted numerous live events, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say maybe even a few more than we have, hmm. but here's that's where the parallels stop, because um, they didn't just host events in Chicago. Um, they have hosted events in Europe, Australia, the U.S., probably Canada, I don't know, everywhere. Everywhere. They're all over the fucking world.
0: Okay, we've hosted events in three different cities in the United States, Livia's.
1: Yeah, but Australia and New Zealand.
0: I just assumed that you were you, you. didn't like... See, here's the thing. They probably like to travel. Livius doesn't even like to leave his house. That's true. If so. you were like, Can we go to Australia?
1: I'd be like, you have a good time, buddy.
0: Yeah, I know, because that's
1: what happened with Los Angeles. So, um, yeah, listen. These guys saw it. I have to imagine at this point... I have to imagine that that Mr. Fink and Mr. Craner um, probably make their living off the Welcome to Night Vale podcast. I hope they do. Yeah, that would be another non-parallel. What's a non-parallel? <laughs> what do you? What's the opposite of a parallel? Like a.
0: Um, oh man, I'm gonna feel like a dick for not knowing this.
1: Like, would that be a perpendicular? <laughs> I was gonna say. I think it's a perpendicular. <laughs> So, math. don't feel bad about knowing, not knowing math. Most people don't know math. Yeah. Only jerks. Jerks yep. know math. So those are my parallels.
0: And I'm just going to say, like, you know, I don't begrudge them their, their fame. I think it's fantastic that they uh, they have made a living off of this and everything. I just think that now that they, they're settled, I think they owe it to us to bring us up to that level.
1: Divergent is the <laughs> antonym of Parallel. Which makes a lot more sense than fucking perpendicular, perpendicular, by the way. (laughs) And it's my job to begrudge people's success, so Rob doesn't have to. Right, right. I carry the heavy weight where it comes there. Um, These guys, and and I know we're a little all over the place now. This should typically be the stuff we do kind of after we finish the book (laughs) review. These guys put out a very, very high-quality product, so we can draw comparisons and we can do everything else. These are some talented, talented cats right there, and they've done it in a way that uh, you know how like we're surprised we're still doing this podcast. I yeah. can't imagine these guys don't wake up every day surprised at the amount of success they had because by by standards it's so fucking weird. Right. They shouldn't be this successful. It's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they didn't do something really mainstream. What was that big one that everyone was listening to? It was just basically kind of like cereal. a crime drama. Yeah, serial. I, am I mistaken? And that was like basically a crime drama that, you know, would do well as a movie or as a TV show. I mean, it, it's a pretty standard, fair, run-of-the-mill type thing, right? Just done in let's talk about let's,
0: let's talk about Serial for a second because okay, there's a person that I work with who was recently going through Serial. And um, he was most of the way through and he asked me what I thought of it. And I said, fuck Serial. Because Serial, first of all, my impression of Serial, having never listened to you more than... All right, so I'm going to back up a little bit more. I tried to listen to serial. I listened to the first, like, three minutes of the first episode, and I could not stand her voice. It was a total deal breaker. So, um, talking to this buddy that I work with, uh, he's telling me he's listened to a whole bunch of it, and essentially he's explaining to me because I didn't get a chance to listen to it. The idea is that this person, you know, was convicted of whatever, and this podcaster, investigator type person. Uh, digs up this whole story and um, kind of revisits all the painful, messed up things that are happening and kind of introduces the idea that, like, hey, maybe they weren't, you know, guilty. But not to the degree where anything could change. Like, like, there was no exoneration or even, like, any kind of impetus to, to, you know, retry the case or, or anything like that. So basically... What it came down to was a whole season of getting everybody worked up over this crime that happened so long ago and dragging all of the people who were involved, including the family of the victim, through all of this stuff all over again that they had finally gotten over uh, with no change at all to the resolution. And literally, the end of the season, the host was basically like, did they kill this person? I don't know. Do they deserve to be in jail? Probably not. And then like, that was the end of it.
1: Rob just saved everybody countless hours of listening to another podcast. Also, which is, is our, which is our goal. What a to dick you, move? Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I know, and I agree with you. But you get what I'm saying. That's really mainstream stuff. I mean, yeah, that's not yeah. that's not groundbreaking. That's that's you expect that to do fairly well. That's what right. the majority of people like.
0: It's the fucking Da Vinci Code podcast. If someone was like, oh, yeah. you 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 do podcasts, you'd love Serial, and it's like you need to shut your fucking mouth. This podcast brought to you by whatever beer Rob is drinking tonight. What are you talking about? I'm not even touching beer tonight. I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I get an opinion, and all of a sudden, Rob's drinking again.
1: (laughs) See, you say Rob's drinking again. Like Rob stopped drinking. When was the just? Let's go back a number of days. When was the last time you went a day without a drink? Damn it, I've been
0: drinking beer lately just to get it out of my cabinet because I have so much of it. So, (laughs) four days maybe? Can can I tell you that that is the worst excuse for alcoholism (laughs) I've ever
1: heard? I just have to get this out of here.
0: Can we have a serious note where we uh, assure the listeners that I'm absolutely not an alcoholic? You should
1: totally assure people you are not an alcoholic. (laughs) No, no, you're supposed to do it with me. That's what alcoholics do. I like to tease Rob. Man, you're I, fucking killing me, dude. Yeah, I have a beer like every six to eight weeks, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and every time I'm talking to Rob, he's like, this beer is the best. I can hear him like smacking the bottle, you know, like with his lips, like smacking off the bottle. Like when he's <laughs> drinking it. It's it's, it's pretty special. At any rate, I like to tease Rob. No, I don't believe Rob's an alcoholic. And if Rob is an alcoholic, he is a highly functioning one. So there's that.
0: Like the highest functioning ever. Yes. So. I thought that me drinking during the podcast brought a little flavor. If you don't want me to do it anymore, I won't. It's the flavor, though,
1: beer tastes bad. It's the flavor you're bringing. Bad, bad <sighs> taste. Man, Nightvale. Night vale. So, Nightvale has no right to be as successful as it is, <laughs> and yet it defies the odds. Um, you know, both Rob and I separately had this idea. It was a note I'd made to mention um, while we were reviewing this book, and then Rob had kind of brought it up. This book for, for our listeners or for people who are familiar with the term is, is it's completely bizarro. Yeah. And and at the risk of, of, of offending. I've I've read some bizarro that's not as good at being bizarro as Nightvale is. Yeah, it would be interesting
0: to hear how the bizarro community um feels about that classification, but I mean all the classic symptoms are there, man. It's it's a bizarro book. Um I think it was written with a different audience in mind, but absolutely bizarro.
1: So that being said, if you're into bizarro, I think this (laughs) is a book you should totally check out. Um, If you're really into Night Vale and you've tuned in just to see what, you know, two guys who don't normally talk about books written by other podcasts thought about it, um, maybe you should check out some bizarro. I think that that these are, um, they play well and they play in the same kind of sandbox. So... um, Yeah, I wonder if there's any kind of crossover there. Like, first of all, is there any
0: influence on the authors from actual established Bizarro writers? Um, And also, I think that um, the term establishment Bizarro could qualify because this is definitely very mainstream. But it's absolutely Bizarro. Establishment
1: Bizarro establishment bizarro <laughs> we uh it would be interesting to hear that i do know the only person i i, I know of who's kind of entrenched in that community that i've seen mention this multiple times is jeff burke and uh i believe he is a uh a strong supporter of the night vale podcast jeff burke that, <laughs> that he, he runs deadite press that he does um, yes he does an imprint so. of Eraserhead. Yeah, and you don't get more Bizarro than eraser head. So um, that is definitely, uh, I, don't, I have no idea what to say <laughs> there. Nothing. I'm going to leave it in. Fuck you. I was, just call me an alcoholic. <laughs> I was very confused by the add a comment button on the notes that I have not noticed before. So I was kind of moving my cursor around. There's a little add a comment oh. that pops up. <laughs>
0: That little circle thing that pops up. Oh, okay.
1: Got yeah, you. with a little like yeah. text message icon. That's yeah. what my text message icon looks like. Like if I have a text little the notification oh. bar. All did right. You, did, you think um, that probably... did
0: you think the notes sent you a text message?
1: <laughs> I think we should just get on to quotes. Right. You know, here's here's the problem with this. You do realize that it, it's not likely, but it's possible that a couple of guys who run one of the top podcasts out there could listen to this episode, right? Hey guys. Uh, listen, Night Vale guys, if you're listening, we have better episodes. Go back and listen. to Episode 300, episode 56 is pretty good. <laughs>
0: 114. Are you just pulling out random numbers, or are these your favorite actual episodes?
1: Oh, I have no idea. I couldn't. I couldn't even guess at what 56 was. 56 was probably a interview for Warmed and Bound.
0: 56 was our interview with Joshua Allen
1: Deach after reviewing Strangers in the Proportion. Oh, holy Boom. shit. That is, that is one of my favorite episodes, actually. <laughs> um, and 300, just because it sounds like it should be a movie with... Seriously, if the Nightvale people are listening,
0: contact us. Bookpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to interview you guys, because uh, podcast to podcast, man. I
1: don't know what that means. That is one of your goals. To interview some people from other podcasts and it would be fun yeah. to talk to one of these guys uh, and maybe talk to them about Bizarro. That would be the the, the, the nut that I want to crack.
0: I want to see what the influences were, the literary influences were for this story and the podcast in general. be interesting to see. So, do you want to do some quotes?
1: Um, we should totally do some quotes. I've got like 500. Well, then I will start because I have less. I don't know why that makes any sense. But... Uh, all right. Here is a um, here's a description of Josh, and I'm not doing it for the description, but I, I love. In this this came up a couple of times in the book, but this style of writing is just is great. He is tall. He's skinny with short hair and long teeth that he deliberately hides when he smiles. He smiles more than he thinks he does. Imagine a 15 year old boy. No, again, no, not close. <laughs> so.
0: I like that a lot. Yeah, that was pretty good. I like uh, that that kind of fourth wall interaction that happened mm-hmm. not just once, but I think several times throughout the book. Yep. Here's, uh, <laughs> here's the book telling us about sentient beings. Here's what we know about sentience. Sand is sentient. The desert is sentient. The sky is not sentient. I'm going to get really tired of saying that word. Plants are intermittently sentient. Dogs are the most sentient. We are not sentient. The planet as a whole is sentient. The parts that make up the whole are not sentient. Holes are sentient. We are not sentient. Gift cards are sentient until they expire. States in which it is legal for gift cards to expire have created immortal sentience, which is pretty hilarious. Money is not sentient. The, the concept of private property is sentient. Sand is sentient. The desert is sentient. We are not sentient. But
1: thought that was great. Yeah, and very indicative
0: of (laughs) Of the style.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, very much so. Um, Here is, so I think that was a good shot at the style. Here is some everyday stuff that you need to know about Night Vale. Imagine teaching a 15-year-old how to drive a car with a manual transmission. First, you have to press down the clutch. Then you have to whisper a secret into one of the cup holders. In Diane's case, this was easy, as she was not a very social or public person, and most any mundane thing in her life could be a secret. In Josh's case, this was hard, because for teenagers, most every mundane thing in their lives is a secret that they do not like sharing in front of their parents. Then after the clutch and the secret, the driver has to grab the stick shift, which is a splintered wood stake wedged into the dashboard, and shake it until something happens. Anything, really. Really? and then simultaneously type a series of code numbers into a keyboard on the steering wheel. All this while sunglass-wearing agents from a vague yet menacing government agency sit in a heavily tinted black sedan across the street taking pictures and occasionally waving. This is a lot of pressure on a first-time driver.
0: I like that there's occasional waving happening from the uh, government officials.
1: Well, the government officials, it's funny because it happens a couple of times where there's actual interaction. Like everybody knows they're there and they know you know they're there. So it's not like it's a lot less menacing than it sounds like it would be. Here, um, tarantulas do
0: kind of pop up throughout the the book, especially in Diane's former office setting. And um, I just thought this was, uh, I don't know, why this just charmed me a little bit. Catherine turned back to her computer, knowing she had reports to write. Diane left Catherine's office, knowing she needed to talk to Dawn. The tarantula stared at the ceiling, not knowing at all what a ceiling is. That's good stuff. It's like those sentient gift cards.
1: (laughs) Immortal sentient gift cards from... Yep. Yeah, I love it. This other one's really short, but... Night Vale's traffic laws are Byzantine and kept on a need-to-know basis with civilian drivers.
0: <laughs> Alright, I have another long one. And now some... So this is actually... Um, so this... Say that again. So this is actually... So sprinkled throughout the story are actual um, excerpts of of the Welcome to Nightvale, um, Like the radio show style that they do in the podcast... So some chapters or interludes or whatever you want to call them are just um the actual show and this is part of one of those. Station intern Jody was asked to alphabetize everything in the station as part of the sheriff's secret police's daily census of every single item in Nightvale. Unfortunately, Jody was so assiduous assiduous. Unfortunately, Jody was so assiduous in her work that she alphabetized herself as well and what was once a helpful and hardworking intern is now a pile of limbs and
1: organs arranged part by gory part from A to Z. <sighs> That's uh, it's funny because my next one is also um, a clip from Cecil doing the, the newscast. Um, Here are some tips for protecting your identity, Night Veil. Vale. <laughs> change your computer passwords often. Most of us are not legally allowed to use a computer, but change them anyway just in case you su- you suddenly are allowed to use one someday. Also, wear a mask when in public and black out your house number with spray paint. Finally, most identity thefts occur when databases are not securely managed. So my advice, don't ever end up in a database. This has been Tech News. Man, that's just,
0: you know, that hits my day-to-day life at such a personal Mm -hmm. level. Yeah. Yep. That's advice I should carry on into my working life. I'm going to do two back-to-back, and just because I just have, um, in addition to highlighting something, I actually took a note with it. So my note for this quote is, this is how I see everyone in every profession ever. here's the quote. Here, look at this equation. I have no idea what it means. It's really long, though. I'm going to add a couple more variables. Great. That looks really great. Please add that to the chalkboard. Just a bunch of idiots who pretend like they know stuff, and that's how I feel about every profession ever. Yep. Um, And actually, one note that I want to make about the the book, and we could talk about it or we could just acknowledge it, and Livius, you'll probably agree with me, is that gender, not necessarily really a big thing in this, right? Sometimes people are he's, sometimes they're she's, sometimes they're both, sometimes they're neither. Gender doesn't really necessarily stay static
1: for given characters. Would you agree with that? I don't want to disagree, but I'm going to say I'm not really sure what you're referring to.
0: So, like, sometimes this is a good example. So this quote, the waiter told me you were in the restroom. She said to have a seat. Sorry I'm late. So usually you would say waiter
1: for a male, waitress for a female. Oh, that's interesting. I must have missed that altogether. Yeah.
0: But it happens a lot where, like, either someone will be referred to as male at one point and female as another. Or um, gender just doesn't seem to really be as concrete Uh, I don't know, you must just not, either I noticed it too much or I was paying too much attention or, um, I don't know. But, like, another thing would be, um, and maybe this is just a commentary in general on, like, the whole, like, LGBT community or something like that. But it's pretty much just assumed that, like, you know, anybody's attracted to anybody regardless of gender, which is definitely not the case in, in normal society, you pretty much assume someone's going to be heterosexual until you're told otherwise. So in this, there's like a whole, you know, Josh is into a boy and that's just not even a, an awkward conversation at all. It's just a normal conversation. And I feel like that
1: was pretty common throughout. Yeah, I, I noticed that it was very sensitive, um, to, um, the gay and lesbian community and maybe even the transgender community if I remember correctly at one point. Um, so yes, maybe you're right and maybe I just kind of glazed over some of the gender swapping that may have happened.
0: Yeah, it was definitely obvious though and that was just one example. That was basically, I don't know how, what percent, but I was pretty far into the book and that was, I highlighted that just because it had come up so often
1: before that that I
0: felt like it, it uh,
1: warranted talking about. So that's that. Yeah, you read that part from the That was from the science lab, right? Your quote, your previous quote, the writing things on chalkboards. Yes. Yep. Right. So I had a a few different lines from that same thing because the way that the, um, I I don't know, the way that Night Vale view scientists is exactly how I viewed scientists since I was a little kid. And I'm going to narrow it down, not just professionals in a room like Rob said, scientists very specifically. Um, So I'm going to read just a couple more quick lines from there without kind of trotting on on rob's um on rob's quote they were all writing busily on none of the scientists noticed her they were all writing busily on clipboards and wearing lab coats this is called this is in quotation marks doing an experiment the, the second one's a little longer but um carlos and his team of five scientists were held around a table there were rows and beakers around them all bubbling and a chalkboard covered in numbers and also the word science with an exclamation point after it in different fancy cursives some of the iterations had pink chalk, hearts, tr- pink chalk hearts around them. It was very much like any university-level science lab. <sighs> These guys, they <laughs> speak to me, because this is exactly how I view science as a whole.
0: <laughs> I forgot you're so skeptical about science. Mm-hmm. There's,
1: There's, it had to be my favorite part <laughs> of the book, is whenever science came up, I, I'll tell you right now.
0: There's a, Did you ever watch Arrested Development? I tried. I watched two episodes, and it, it wasn't for me. One of the lines from one of the episodes is, "I heard the jury's still out on science," so I thought you'd like that. So here's a, <laughs> I'm gonna do two quotes. Um, this one is from one of Cecil's uh, radio, radio segments in the in the book, and it just kind of it got me, it cut me personally, so I'm gonna share it with you, and take part in a costume contest sponsored by Nightvale Daily Journal. They're asking that everyone dress up as the decline of the printed word in a society reverting to a state of brainless animality.
1: Loved that. Absolutely
0: loved that. And then this one, I just thought, I just think it's really quick and I think it's awesome. I think the grand conspiracy of our world is just an argument between idiots.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, these guys tend to. We talk about all the weird stuff, it's all very socially and 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 politically inclined and I think that there's a lot of thought put into some of these um things, and of course they're made as ridiculous as possible more i think for people that understand how that particular system works um they're more insightful and everybody else they're just ludicrous enough to be funny, so I think it works well in both you know in both ways yeah. but i I think that there's far deeper intelligence in this than than maybe some of the, the Night Vale listeners give it credit for because it's just kind of quirky and funny right. but I think some of it has some depth to it that, that may be lost on people um, not because of the in, intelligence level of that person but just their knowledge of how that particular system works, if that makes sense I'm going to give it to you um This might be the first time I'm just quoting a parenthetical text. Ooh, That's that's all I've got. It's just what's in between the parentheses. Cynthia Yin, who she had met in music censorship class in the third grade and who had survived three UFO attacks, a year's incarceration by the city council for voting incorrectly in a municipal election, and a direct encounter with a pack of street cleaners only to die of liver cancer, which had gone undiagnosed for over a year. That's that's good stuff. That's great stuff. I love this incarcerated for voting <laughs> incorrectly. There should be some more of that going on in the world. Oh, man. Let's not, let's not go down no, that road. Not, let's
0: not do it. All right. I'm going to save this with a quick quote. Jackie was at a dead end investigation-wise. In terms of tacos, she was doing fine. I love that one.
1: All right. I have um, this one I'm not going to do as a quote, but yeah, I've actually thought this before. Um when they're in the library, which you had said you, you love that scene, that part, uh, did you have this quote about science fiction? No, go for it. So after nonfiction was science fiction, no one knows why science fiction is kept separately from the rest of the nonfiction?
0: Yeah, I, I thought about that, and I thought of you when that happened.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, this is, <laughs> I'm going to wrap up my quotes with this, which is you know one of my favorite quotes. And I have more and more, but I, I feel like we've been doing quotes forever now. Diane had a cast when she was 12. She had fallen out of a tree and broken her leg. This is a common injury for children, as trees dislike young humans and are notorious for picking them up and dropping them if they get too close.
0: Yep, I really like that one, too. That was awesome stuff. I'm going to wrap up my quotes with uh, another part from the radio show. And um, I don't know why I like this, but I just think it's funny. No, this is about an intern that died in the line of service. Know that she was a good and hardworking intern, and that she died doing what she loved, simultaneously living and dying in infinite, fractal defiance
1: of linear time. <laughs> good, good, good stuff. Um can I go ahead and can can I kick off the wrap the wrap up? I, I invite that, please do I um I had a really good idea of what we were getting into when, um, when we decided to review this book. So none of this was a surprise. Like I said, I'd listened to a number of episodes and found that some sections to be very familiar. That's kind of how we, we came to the conclusion after listening to more episodes that some of this stuff is taken directly from um, episodes of the podcast. Um, that might be good for for listeners, might be bad. That was kind of up in the air between me and Rob. Um, I again not a not an avid listener, but I, I actually found it kinda neat to, to recognize something in a book where I'd only listen to a few episodes of the podcast. Um from a story standpoint, I think the story carried itself well, but for me the the thing that made this book special, um, were, were the things I just read in the quotes, the really weird and quirky things, and some of them I think are are far wiser than we give them credit for like while we're just kind of reading it during the course of a story but um if we are going on entertainment um alone uh, i'm gonna have to give this five stars super super entertaining um laugh out loud funny in parts and a lot of things i think are going to stick with me for a long time things in everyday life that i will have to recall however they're done in nightvale
0: wow did you just give this a five-star rating i did i'll be damned that hasn't happened in a while. I mean, we haven't read a book in a while, but <laughs> I was gonna say, it's gonna be at
1: least like four episodes. <laughs>
0: um, I had no real idea. I started reading the Night vale book before I, I went ahead and listened to some of the episodes of the podcast. So I was really diving into this blind. I had an idea of what it was, but, you know, an idea and then an understanding of it are two entirely different things. So here's what I'm going to say about the book. It is massively entertaining. Those individual parts, the quotes, I think I had probably uh, north of 40 quotes in here, are really interesting, they're quirky, they're unique, they're very intelligent, but they're also, there's just like a very strong strain of humor running through it. So it's obvious that these are very entertaining people. The story itself, very, very, very light. I mean, it comes down to um, a couple people with daddy issues, you know, at the end of the day. So, not a massive story, and really, it doesn't really pick up as being um, a definable kind of plot structure until probably a good 60% of the way into the book. So, a lot of it in the beginning is just like building, 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 okay, this is what's going on, and then this is how it resolves. Um, Story-wise, pretty light, but very, very, very much made up for in the fact that it's so funny and entertaining throughout. I think the story structure of the book does a good job of mimicking the story structure in the series, which is it's obvious that any kind of um, linear, ongoing plot or narrative is definitely secondary to the humor and the satire and the social commentary that's going on in the story. So anybody who is comfortable with the podcast is going to feel very much at home reading the book. Anybody who's coming to this book thinking, I'm going to get you know, a really serious good story, maybe listen to the podcast first and see if that's your your thing. Um, but overall, I think the book is excellent. I think it did. Uh, as far as what I imagine it was trying to do, I mean, it
1: really was just a slam dunk. So I'm going to go with Livius. This is five stars. I wonder um, what, what Joseph and Jeffrey gave the book, the anthology, when they read it. <laughs> Why do you wonder? Of course they gave it five stars. Of course. What else could they give it? um great job guys um great podcast uh i feel like you could jump in at any part of that podcast i don't necessarily think you have to listen from the beginning and this might have been in the author's notes at the end of the book i think too where it said you know you could probably catch on pretty quick as to what's going on yeah it's something i'd like to listen to but god damn it man i skipped around a little bit just i want to see if their podcast had changed any from when i had listened mm-hmm. but i can't i can't bear the thought of just something like this of just starting an episode somewhere if this was a this is the Nerdist podcast or, or the Kevin Smith podcast I feel like I could just start listening tomorrow with episode 125 or whatever they're on and not have missed anything yeah but I, I feel like I'd have to go all the way back to the beginning and I don't know man that might be a lot that might be a lot for me I don't know but it's something I I, I, I definitely want to consider doing <sighs> I mean, I think that it's very intentionally
0: structured so that you can jump in at any point. Um, But I understand what you're saying because, like, episode one does really kind of set a good ground for and then it builds from there. Um, But I imagine it like if I moved to a new city and then I found the local city's radio station, I wouldn't get the story of the city with the first time I listened to it. I would just pick up wherever, you know, wherever what, what happened to be happening in the news that day. And I feel like that's kind of the idea with Night vale is, like, you just pick it up where you want. Um, that being said, I think there's definitely value in going back and listening. There's less than 90 episodes, so it's not like – and they're about 20, 22, I think, I want to say,
1: minutes each. They're 22 minutes each, but I got to tell you if, you, if you skip through the um, the non-news broadcast stuff, so – there's always kind of like an intro, like the one I listened to. They talked about they were headed to Australia. They they had to get a bigger place. Tickets are available. It, it may be you know, fifteen to seventeen minutes each.
0: Yeah, so not a big time commitment if someone wants to start at the beginning and move up through the rest of. There's actually someone I talked to recently who is doing with our podcast. They're keeping up to date with the recent the the newest episodes, but they're also starting at the beginning of. What's available on the feed and moving upward, which I think now it's like episode one hundred, and going on, so they're kind of working their way almost toward the middle a little bit with (laughs) our episodes, and I'm like, that's horrifying. I can't believe you're doing that. Oh my god, yeah, that's Uh, yeah. (laughs) And he's going to be listening to this, so this is some sort of weird meta. I don't know, but anyway, Um, sure, do it. It's a good podcast. I enjoyed listening to it, but I don't know if I could just, like, I think it's that, like, I think the podcast Welcome to Night Vale is definitely set up for that, like, you can listen to one a week, or a couple a week, but not, like, seven episodes in a row, which take i take my day off
1: and try to finish all 90. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> while we're talking about podcasts, um, we should welcome maybe new listeners? I don't know. Uh, well, how are we going to have new listeners? We're going to have new listeners through um, a couple of venues. Um, Spreaker, which I do believe we may have mentioned at the the end of the last episode. But uh, Spreaker episodes are available. I know there are people listening there. So if you're new listeners, welcome. Um, Spreaker will only be carrying the last probably eight to ten of our episodes, which will be rotating. So they'll start to fall off as new ones um, pop on. But uh, if you're a Spreaker listener and you love what you're hearing, you can go back um, to Stitcher and catch the last uh, 200 episodes. Uh, last 200 also available on iTunes, I believe. Is that correct, Rob? Yep. And where can uh, people find the elusive first 100 episodes? Bookedpodcast.com has all 301
0: now episodes of the podcast available. So um, if you want to hear what happened episode 100-ish or earlier, you're going to want to head over to bookedpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good stuff, man. If you could think of, I mean, the entire warmed and bound thing, 17 interviews, those happened in the first hundred episodes.
1: They did, and and to this date, I think two of those episodes still rank in our top three downloads. <laughs> You're not going to name
0: names? I'm not going to name names. All right. All right, then I won't either. Lots of good stuff in the first hundred episodes, but um, there's so many hundreds of episodes now that... uh i think uh much like the night veil vale podcast you can pick us up wherever you want
1: and if you're listening on tune in radio we did not forget about you welcome aboard several followers we picked up on tune in radio in the last week or so um hey thanks for for tuning in um kind of <laughs> same deal there you get 200 episodes of tune in um more available at bookpodcast.com and this one we're excited about a little bit and rob and i kind of briefly talked about this for about 45 seconds before we started recording (laughs) Um, beginning with this episode barring unforeseen circumstance um, YouTube Uh, here is where we're going to draw another parallel to Welcome to Night Vale. Turns out the Welcome to Night Vale guys were like, shit, we could put our episodes on YouTube with like a static image or something Mm. and people can listen there. So hey this time we're going to copy what they're doing Um, that's going to be available starting this episode again barring unforeseen circumstance we have some questions about length of time and stuff we can put up so we'll see hopefully you're able to hear it there i'm not sure how the back catalog may may not some episodes may may not (laughs) i I guess it well here's what it comes down to i think and, and this is this is the kind of stuff you and i would discuss separately but if we find there are people who are find on youtube and are just listening to it on youtube i don't know maybe we go back and greatest hits that shit right like we just pick an episode out of every you know 20 or so to to upload as a back episode i don't know we'll see if so the,
0: the youtube thing happened because i said to livius i was like you know what i don't feel like i'm doing enough for this podcast i think that we need i need more work and livius was like here i've got an idea <laughs>
1: Well, there's that too, but we're we're going to be doing more YouTube this month. This month, there's going to be a live, live YouTube, booked hangout. I don't even know what we're going to call it, but something along those lines. It won't be an episode. It'll be me and Rob hanging out, and if anybody turns up for that, we'll answer questions and and I don't know. We'll do things. Whatever I'll happens. Some, happen? I'll review some e liquid for people. I don't know. Oh, we'll no. figure it out.
0: You can actually watch me drinking my beers. Yes. What could be better I than am that? Very. I'm like right excited. now, I'm Let's, holding my beer up to the, the computer monitor and no one
1: can see what's going on. On YouTube, you could see it. Yeah, you know, it's weird that, like, that never occurred to us, right? Like, we've been doing this as audio since episode one. <sighs> yeah. And we certainly could because half these episodes are, are, are done. I mean, we're always, 99% of these episodes were all recorded with yeah. you and I talking on Skype, even if we were recording it separately.
0: Yeah, we could side by
1: side that shit. Yep. This weekend, though, I was talking to somebody who um, hosts has a very popular YouTube channel who has started doing a podcast, and I was asking him about the quality cause the sound quality was amazing on their podcast. So I wanted to know just logistically what he's doing, and he had very specifically said they record their own ends, but they they do FaceTime so they can see each other. Which Rob and I, I don't know, like I don't even know if it ever occurred to us to like.
0: I don't. I don't know. I mean, like, it's not that I don't. It's not that I don't want to look at you, Olivia. <laughs> I think in the beginning, because we've been doing this five years, I think in the beginning it wasn't as um, easy to do like a really good quality video connection consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, to make that happen on a regular basis, we just got used to not looking at each other.
1: Yeah, and I, I think, for from my end, I think the reason I never really thought about it was just bandwidth, like. You know, kind yeah, of you said yeah. the internet has gotten better. Um, I just thought, man, I don't want to sacrifice audio so we can see each other when we're both like staring at you know digital copies of books, which yeah. is really you know what my end usually looks like. So
0: yeah, and then I'd have to put on a shirt. I mean, there's so much that would go into it that
1: uh well, Rob will be donning a shirt soon for the for the first ever live booked hangout coming to uh i was gonna say a channel near you but let's face it it's going to be the booked youtube channel so if you want to head over and subscribe now uh probably save you some subscribing later
0: yeah don't want that last minute scramble where you uh you miss the beginning and you're like guys what did i miss because then you look like an asshole we don't want that don't be that asshole
1: don't be that asshole um speaking of subscriptions Time is running out on subscribing to the book newsletter. Now, you'll always be able to do that. But time is running out on winning a $25 gift card for doing it. So um, get over there. Rob said there was. Rob told me there was an influx of subscribers after the last episode. Um, get your name in the hat now because that drawing is coming up in uh, less than two weeks.
0: A surge. I'm going to use the word surge again. Two episodes in a row. We have been getting a surge of people subscribing to our newsletter all you got to do is go to Livazon.com. That's L-I-V-A-Z-O-N.com. This weird thing is going to slide down the page, and it's going to be two different options. right? I'm going to go there right now so I can read you what they are. Livazon.com. Sign up for the book podcast. Throw us your email. If you love Livius, then you type in your email address, and there's two buttons. Love him, and I'm going to let you
1: discover the other button on your
0: own. I love Um, the
1: other button. I still don't think that those two have to be mutually exclusive. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Um, So yeah, sign up for the newsletter.
0: No matter what, you're getting a copy. Say that again. No matter what, you're getting a copy of the Booked Anthology ebook, right? And I've been saying in whatever uh, format you want, but I think it's in all the formats. I could be wrong about that, but I think Ryan's just sending out everything.
1: Maybe. Who knows what Ryan's doing? Ryan's busy traveling the world, apparently. I can't keep up with that guy anymore. I know. Notice, I just picked, just picked him up at the airport. Yeah, He became the book podcast intern, and now he's like international traveler all of a sudden. Yeah, now he's like, Rob,
0: picked me up at the airport. and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> that was
1: like not how my intern. Works. It's not how any of this works. <laughs>
0: Um, Newsletter, so far, has been pretty useful. There was a picture of us in a bathroom one time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another time we were uh, shilling for someone else's uh, money thing. Mm -hmm. First for
1: Kickstarter for a different project. I think that's it. Yeah. So, as you can see, you're not going to get six emails a day from us. As a matter of fact, you may not get six (laughs) emails in the lifetime of your (laughs) newsletter subscription. (laughs) But we're told that
0: newsletter subscriptions leads to... Um, fame and fortune so that's why we're doing this
1: right that is absolutely that's why we started this bad boy and that's why we're doing it now years later we're trying to get that night veil vale money rolling right. in
0: oh hey money patreon.com slash booked at the very least a dollar a month you're getting early access to our episodes right
1: I don't know I don't subscribe
0: I think the five dollar level is where you get uh spoiler uh, spoiler talk uh exclusive content from us there's a t-shirt level we're still waiting to hit that $225-a-month threshold where we can start sending T-shirts out to people. Livius is very excited about that. Livius, am I right about that? I can hardly wait. Um, There's going to be coffee mugs. There's all types of stuff going on. We've got two people that qualify to choose a book that we review, and they haven't uh, cashed in on that yet. So I was talking to Jesse when we were in L.A., and he's getting ready to pull the trigger on that, but I don't know exactly what the book is yet for that.
1: I have to imagine that... um, I think the things we review are very much in line with the things that Jesse reads. Yeah. So I have to imagine he's come up with something pretty clever.
0: I think one of the things he's like, I should have you read Mongrels, and I was like, do you think we're not going to do that anyway?
1: <laughs> Alright, never mind. I take back what I said. <laughs> <laughs> not throwing Jesse under the bus. I think he's just too nice to us. He is too so. nice to us. Everyone's too nice. Listen, if you're listening, you're too goddamn nice to us. Have you ever met us? Good lord. Yeah, we're definitely
0: assholes. So... yeah. Um, on that note, is there anything else we need to talk about, or is this uh, another successful, the beginning of the, the second 300 episodes?
1: Um, I just want to mention what's coming up. I don't know which one is next, um, but I will tell you, I can tell you, I will, tell, I will you I tell, tell, you, tell you, I can tell you, I will tell you that I can tell you <laughs> with certainty. The next book review is Bomb by Les Edgerton. Nice. His book, The Rapist, we reviewed ooh, two years ago, three years ago. It's been a ooh, long, long time while. ago, yeah. yeah. Um, but we both really enjoyed. Um, so we have that coming up. But we also have the most recent installment of Noir at the Bar Chicago, which will go up in a two-part series um, at some point. So I, I don't. We're not really sure what's next, but all I can promise you is there will be a next episode and uh, the next book you hear from us, Bomb, by Les Edgerton. All right, so
0: that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Booked. Join us next time for a bomb or a bar or something like that. Until then, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading.